Hello and welcome to Bible 101. This is our condensed series. This is lesson 7 of 7. And in the last lesson, we actually ended by talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we uh, began to talk about his last words to, to uh, the disciples. And so that's where I want to pick up. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to spend any time on review. I'm just going to jump right into this. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 28. Now, what we're going to do first is look at the last words of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to begin our study of the book of Acts. Matthew chapter number 28. Now, this records the last words of Jesus Christ to his disciples before his ascension into heaven. We're going to start off by reading Matthews. Then we're going to read Mark's. We're going to read Luke's. Then we're going to read in the book of Acts chapter 1. Verse 16, Acts 28, 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Now, remember here, keep this lodged in your brain. When uh, we're about to read what Jesus said, pay attention to the audience. You need to always pay attention to who is Jesus speaking to. He's talking to the eleven disciples. Remember, Judas has forsaken them. Judas went and hanged himself after betraying Jesus. So there's only eleven now. And Jesus is about to speak to the eleven disciples. It says in verse 17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That means make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, a lot of people just want to stop with this one portion of Scripture and say, well, see, here clearly we see uh, that Jesus told us how to baptize. But remember, this isn't the only gospel that records the last words of Jesus Christ. Let's read Mark's account. Let's go over to the book of Mark, chapter number 16. Now, remember, this is uh, it's not that they're in contradiction to one another. It's just simply that one points out a detail that maybe another one didn't point out, and they're just kind of focusing on it in a different way. And so let's go to Mark chapter 16, and we will begin reading uh, with verse number 9. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared, watch this, unto the eleven, here it is again, as they sat at meat, and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, who? The eleven. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel, the gospel, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, why didn't he say that he that believeth not and is not baptized uh, shall be damned? Well, the reason is, if you don't believe, you're not going to be baptized. But notice, he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He didn't just say, He that believeth is saved. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So many people want to quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him 
uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. And so they say, see, it's all you need to do. They'll quote that in Romans chapter number 10 where it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And they say, well, see, their baptism is not essential. Just believe on the Lord Jesus. Which, to me, I really can't wrap my brain around that. And, and one of the reasons why is... Uh, People want to make it uh, all so easy and just say, well, all you got to do is believe, believe, believe. But uh, let me just talk about baptism is evidence of your belief. Let me give you an illustration. If I was to give you a gift card and I was to say, hey, um, you you can use this gift card. It's got 50 bucks on it. But before you use it, you've got to activate it. You've got to call this number and activate the card. Now, uh, let's say... You say, well, I believe you. I believe there's $50 on this card. So you take the card, but you never activate it. Well, obviously, you must not believe that there's $50 for you, or either that or you're too lazy to activate it. And uh, let's just say, uh, give me another illustration. I write you a check, and I say, if you go and cash this check, uh, there's $150 on this check, and go and cash it. Well, if you don't go and cash that check, it might be evidence of the fact that you don't believe I've got the money in my bank account to cover the cost of that check. Well, here's the same thing. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So, yes, it comes back to believing. Believing is foundational. But if you believe in Jesus, you will be baptized. Going back to Matthew chapter 28, what did he say? Go ye and teach all nations. Or that word means make disciples of all nations. Then he said this, how do you make disciples of all nations? Baptizing them. So clearly, if somebody truly believes, they're going to submit to water baptism in the name of Jesus. Baptism is about taking on his identity. The book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 27. And I'm going to quote it, but I challenge you to read it in your own time. Uh, For as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You put him on. You've taken on his identity. Romans chapter uh, number 6 and verse number 3 says, We are buried with him by baptism into death. So, uh, it, it tells us these things that how we identify with his death, his burial, uh, is by repentance, by baptism in Jesus' name. That's how we identify with him. If, it, it's kind of like, let me just put it this way. It's like a woman that marries a man, but she says, you know, I want to marry you, but I don't want to take on your name. That's not really a good testimony to her love for that man. Part of that is she can go and take on his name because she loves him. She wants she wants to take on his name. She is proud of the fact that she's marrying this man, so she takes on his last name uh, as her identity. It's the same thing. If you really want to commit to Jesus Christ, you are baptized in Jesus' name. You take on his name. You take on his identity. And then in another place, and remember in the Old Testament, we also mentioned the fact that uh, Abraham was circumcised. That was a type of uh, the covenant between him and God. But that was the evidence of the covenant. When he was baptized, uh, excuse me, when he was circumcised, that was evidence of the covenant. So I mentioned in the fact, uh, the fact that in the book of Colossians, chapter uh, number 2, and I'm going to take time to read this, chapter number 2, and verse number, uh, we'll, we'll start reading with verse number 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Watch this. Verse 11. 
in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So now it's not a work of the hands. It says, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Remember, the, the circumcising was the cutting off of the foreskin. But notice what he says here. Now it's not the cutting off of the foreskin. Now it is the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So now when you're baptized, you're putting off that body of sin. And here in just a minute, we're going to read, when you're baptized, you're baptized in Jesus' name for the remission, for the removal of sins, for the putting off of that body of sin. Now, uh, let's keep reading here in Mark chapter 16. He that, verse number 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Now watch this. Now remember, he said in Matthew chapter 28, and verse number 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now in Mark chapter 16, he says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And let me just stop here long enough to say he's not endorsing uh, trying to pick up snakes to prove that you have power over them. But a good illustration of this is found in the book of Acts chapter 28. When Paul is casting wood on the fire, serpent jumps out and bites him, but yet he survives through it. And it was a testimony to the people there in that village that, uh, that Paul had uh, power with God. And uh, it was a tremendous witnessing tool. So what he's saying here is that God will protect us in every circumstance. In one place, Jesus said, I give you power to trample, uh, excuse me, upon serpents. And so then it says, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them and shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Once again, talking about God's provision, but then they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. <clears throat> well, I'm going to show you here in a little bit. Notice all of these things happen in his name. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. That's, we'll come back to that later. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All of these things are done in Jesus' name. He said, in my name. <clears throat> and uh, something else I want to point out here is in the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 17, it says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, remember this. Now we've read the account in Matthew. We've read the account in Mark. Let's read the account in Luke. Let's go over to Luke chapter number 24, which also records the last words of Jesus Christ. Remember, the Great Commission is not only recorded in the book of Matthew. It's also recorded in Luke. And we're going to read here in just a minute. It's recorded in Acts chapter number 1. And, of course, it's recorded in Mark chapter 16. Now, let's, uh, let's begin reading with... Um, I want to back up and make sure we get the context here. Let's start with verse number... Uh, 36, uh, Luke 24, 36. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now, who is he talking to here? Again, his disciples. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do you thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, uh, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. Verse 44. Now I'm going to slow down a little bit. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, 
which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, that thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And, watch this. This is what I want you to notice. Verse 47. And that repentance, watch this, and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, what does he mean? Repentance and remission of sins. What does he mean by remission of sins? Well, uh, in the book of Matthew chapter 26, I believe it is verse uh, 28 of Matthew 26, he says um, that uh, that believing on his name, you'll receive remission of sins. And uh, so one thing he said, this is my blood, which is shed for many of the covenant for the remission of sins. And uh, in another place, it says you believe for the remission of sins. Well, this is again, I'm going to tell you that believing and baptism go hand in hand. And we're going to prove that here in just a minute, because he says and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. Whose name? Jesus' name, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. All right. Now, the same guy that wrote uh, Luke, Luke, the physician, also wrote the book of Acts, and it's the same audience, Theophilus. So, let's go over to the book of Acts, chapter 1. This picks up where Luke left off. The former treatise, or the former letter, that's what that means, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day that he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now, what's the promise of the Father? We are about to see. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They asked this question simply because the Jews believed that the Messiah would destroy the Gentile nations, trod them underfoot, and bring the kingdom back to Israel. But notice what he said. Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse 8, But basically saying, This is what you need to worry about. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where both abode both Peter and James uh, and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Notice it wasn't just the disciples. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was also there. Uh, and other women 
And then it says, and also uh, Jesus' brethren were there. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to record here what Peter said. Basically, Peter is talking about they needed to find a 12th disciple. Uh, and so they cast lots. And, uh, of course, the lot landed on Matthias. So they chose him out. So now they're ready. Chapter 2 of the book of Acts. Remember, Jesus told them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And we found out that the promise of the Father is, he said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence, which means not many days from now. That's Acts chapter uh, 1 and verse number 5. Okay, so in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, what is the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost means the Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. When was Jesus crucified? Passover. 50 days after Passover, uh, they, they went up on Mount Sinai and celebrated, or excuse me, Pentecost was a feast of celebration, the celebrating of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. That's when God uh, inscribed upon the stone tablets the law of God and gave it to Moses. So they celebrated this as the, the day of Pentecost. And in fact, Jews from all over the place, <clears throat> they had been scattered throughout all of these various nations during uh, the dispersion, during the captivity. They had been spread abroad all over the place, but they would come back to Jerusalem. In fact, I read there could be as many as a million Jews in Jerusalem for this uh, for the, the celebration of Pentecost. So this was a prime time for revival. And then uh, verse number one, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all, watch this, filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there's several things I want to point to. Do you remember in our uh, lesson, uh, in a couple lessons ago, we talked about the ministry of John the Baptist. And one of the things we talked about was in Matthew chapter number 3, he said in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Uh, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, notice what happened here. Verse 3, there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And then it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. One thing I will point out quickly is on Mount Sinai, when the law was given, the Bible says that the mountain quaked greatly. Now, notice when the Holy Ghost came in, it was as a rushing mighty wind. I'm sure the, the building was shaking. And it says uh, that God in Mount Sinai came down uh, descending on the mountain in fire. And uh, here we see that they had cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them. Do you see the similarities? Then it also said on Mount Sinai there was a great trumpet blast that announced the presence of God. Well, here uh, they began to speak with other tongues, which announced the coming of the Holy Ghost. Something else that's beautiful, uh, Pentecost obviously was a celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. But however, you look uh, uh, in the book of Ezekiel and also in the book of Jeremiah, the prophets prophesied of a day that the law would be written or inscribed, not on stone tablets, but upon the heart. 
And God said, I will take out the stony heart. I will put in a heart of flesh. Uh, and he says, I will take my law and I will write it upon the tablets of your heart. That's what happened here on the day of Pentecost. Notice what it says here, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, in the Old Testament, you'll read that the Spirit of God would come upon somebody and inspire them to speak or inspire them, in, as in the case of Samson, to do some great uh, physical feat. But here, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just a temporary thing. It didn't just come on them temporarily. It actually filled them and empowered them to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Stop. Okay, so the 120 that spoke were Galileans. That means they were not part of the dispersion. They were actually in Galilee. So they spoke... Uh, in that day, Greek would be a prominent language that almost everybody would speak because when Alexander the Great conquered the world, uh, he, he made the nations to speak Greek and they actually would speak a simple form of Greek. So they would be familiar with Greek. Some of them would, uh, or a lot of them would speak in Aramaic. Some of them would even know parts of the Hebrew language or, or all of it. Uh, but here, notice God does not speak to these people in Greek. Watch what happens here. He said, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Now remember, these are part of people, part of the dispersion, but notice that they were all Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, verse 5. So notice this, it says, notice how many different tongues. How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, verse 8. Verse 9, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Now notice, they said they're speaking in our tongues. So they're not speaking Greek, they're not speaking Hebrew, they're not speaking Aramaic. They're speaking in all of these different languages where they had never learned these languages. And they're not just speaking gibberish, they're speaking the wonderful works of God. So this is absolutely supernatural. Because some people, the reason why I'm, I'm taking so much time to address this is because so many people want to say that, no, they just spoke Greek, or they just spoke the, the, the Hebrew language or the Aramaic language and that's how they communicate. No, it was supernatural what happened here. Verse 14, and I'm not going to take time to go all the way through Peter's sermon. I only want to address certain things here. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, <clears throat> excuse me, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. By the way, he's about to quote, quote Joel 2, 28 uh, and 29. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to just kind of break down what Peter preaches. He preaches about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He gives them scripture to show that all of this is scriptural. And he said, uh, what is being poured out here, the Holy Ghost, you see it, you hear it, this is evidence of the resurrection of Jesus, who now sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. Then he says this in uh, verse number 36, 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, Now this is what I want you to notice. Then Peter said unto them, Now they asked very clearly, What shall we do? They're saying, We recognize that he's risen from the dead, and now we're guilty of bloodshed. Innocent blood. We betray the very Messiah we've been waiting for. What should we do now? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So not some of you, not a few of you, not the ones that think it's convenient. Not, hey, we'll, we'll set up a, a, a baptismal service and we'll baptize as many of you as want to be baptized. No, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. <clears throat> okay, so is there a contradiction here? No. By the way, uh, what you're going to find out is, remember, Jesus said that you shall receive power, Acts 1 and 8. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, which is the, the surrounding region, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. What you're going to find out in, in Acts chapter number 8 records the revival among the Samaritans. And I'm doing all this for the sake of time, but I'm just kind of giving you a brief overview of the book of Acts. So Acts 2 records the revival among the Jews, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Acts chapter 8 records the revival in the Samaritans. When Philip goes down to the village of Samaria, I encourage you to read this in your own time, and he preaches unto them. Now, how did he baptize? Uh, let's, let's read it, okay? Let's read it. So, after Philip preaches, he performs miracles, the people believe, and they are baptized. And uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and read some of this here. Uh, let's go to uh, verse number 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, and were healed, and there was great joy in that city. All right, skipping down here a little bit. Verse 12, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Skipping down now to verse number uh, 14. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. They had not yet received it. Remember, though, they believed, verse 12, and they were baptized, verse 12, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. This tells us you don't just receive the Holy Ghost just because you believed. Okay, it says, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet, he was fallen upon none of them, only, watch this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Okay, now let's flip over to Acts chapter number 10, and we're going to come back to Acts 2 here in just a minute. Acts 10 records the revival among the Gentiles. Now, this is the uttermost part of the earth that Jesus is talking about. Acts chapter 10, there's a devout man by the name of Cornelius. You read in verse number 2 that uh, he feared God with all his house. He gave much alms to the people. He prayed to God all the way. Some people have said that uh, that he was uh, a Gentile convert to Judaism, but he had not yet been circumcised. And you can find that in chapter 11, that when the Jews got mad at Peter because he went into the house of people uncircumcised and did eat with them. So that proves to us Cornelius was not circumcised. It says, an angel appeared unto him, told him to send uh, men to Joppa to ask for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges in the house of one Simon a tenor. He will tell you what you ought to do. And in chapter 11, it says he will tell you how to be saved. Okay, so when Peter goes down, he preaches to them the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And again, I, I know I'm covering a lot of material quickly. Unfortunately, I'm trying to cover as much as I can in a very short amount of time. Okay, so let's go to uh, verse number 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him, watch this, shall receive remission of sins. Now we're about to see believing and baptism once again tied together. Remission of sins. Remember, Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Okay, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost, there it is again, fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost for or because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So the proof that they had received the Holy Ghost was they spoke with tongues. Just the same thing as in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then you can read in Mark chapter 16 that these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Okay, so here, once again, just like the Jews had, and just like obviously the Samaritans had, because there was some type of a visible sign that accompanied them, because the Bible says when Peter and John laid hands on them, Simon saw that through the laying on of, of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. So there was some type of a visible sign there. Uh, so, and, and most scholars are, are, are in agreement that it had to be uh, speaking in tongues because it ties in so well with the rest of scripture okay so it says for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify god then answered peter can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the holy ghost as well as we and he commanded them to be baptized now there it is again he commanded them he didn't just suggest that he didn't say hey let's set up a baptismal service no he said he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the lord who's the name of the lord the name of the lord jesus obviously the lord Lord is Jesus in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Okay, so uh, now you may say, well, that's just because that was the the introduction of the gospel to those nations, so it had to be done that way. Uh, so it would tie them in with the Jerusalem church and how that was born. I have read that in some commentaries, by the way. But my question is, what about Acts chapter nineteen? Okay, so what you need to know is in Acts chapter nine it records. The conversion of a man who persecuted the church. His name was Saul. He became an apostle of God after he was filled with the Holy Ghost. God blinded him, on, knocked him off his beast on the road to Damascus. And uh, he, was, uh, he went down uh, and, and, and began to, to pray and to seek God. And God spoke to a man by the name of Ananias, who was a devout man. And he went and laid hands on Paul. Paul received the Holy Ghost and was baptized. We'll find out here in a minute how he was baptized. But... Paul begins to preach all over the world. And in Acts chapter 19, he comes down to Ephesus and he finds certain disciples. These were disciples of John the Baptist. So, Acts chapter 19 and verse number 2. Now, I'm reading this because uh, this records actually Paul preaching to people that it, this is not like it's the introduction of, an, uh, of, of the gospel to a brand new nation. These are people that were uh, converts of John the Baptist. But watch, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost? Watch this. Since you believed. Some translations want to put that as when you believe. But the point still stands. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They had already believed. John the Baptist's message was, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, looking at Jesus. But this is what he said. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Uh... Unto what then were you baptized? So his two questions were, when he met these converts of John the Baptist, he said, number one, uh, have you received the Holy Ghost? And number two, how were you baptized? And they said, 
unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized. Let me stop here long enough to say, uh, John the Baptist is the one that baptized Jesus. But apparently his baptism wasn't good enough. This is what Paul said. John verily baptized, verse 4 of Acts 19. John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Okay. So... Now, I want, you, I want to show you something. Let's go back to the book of Acts chapter 9. Now, I told you this was, uh, uh, this was uh, uh, Paul who used to be Saul. Now, you read about his conversion in the book of Acts chapter 9. But I'm, I'm going to, rather than take time to read all of this for the sake of time, I'm only going to read a couple of verses. And again, I know I'm rushing a little bit, but I'm trying to get a lot of material in in this lesson since this is our last lesson. So this is Acts chapter number 9. We're going to find out what happened to Saul. How, how did he, uh, how was he saved? Let's go, let's find out, okay? Uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse number 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight, watch this, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. How was he baptized? Let's flip over and find out. Acts chapter 22, and he's telling his testimony in Acts chapter 22, and he says uh, how he was baptized. Um, let's read Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16. Okay, so he says what Ananias says to him. Watch this, Acts twenty-two sixteen. Watch again. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So three things I'm going to point out. Number one, why tarriest thou? This is an urgent matter. You better get up, Paul. Arise, get up and be baptized. Do it now, Paul. Don't put it off. So again, it's not like, we're. hey, uh, it might be a good idea to be baptized or maybe, uh, you know, you should be baptized someday or we'll set up a baptismal service a few weeks from now. No, he says, why do you tarry, Paul? Get up. Be baptized now. Wash away your sins. This is how you wash away your sins. Remember, baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. So he says, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord. Who is the name of the Lord? The name of the Lord is Jesus. Without a single exception, we see every instance they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay, we're going to come back to Matthew 28, 19 here in a minute. But again, let me remind you, let's find out what the epistles have to say about baptism. Let's go to Romans chapter number 6 and let's go to verse number 3. Romans 6 and 3. Again, you could pause the recording and flip over here quickly. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, if that's not good enough for you, let's flip over now to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and let's go to... Uh, uh, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor extortioners, uh, uh, excuse me, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Watch this. Verse 11. 
And such were, past tense, some of you, but ye are washed, notice that word washed, but ye are sanctified, that means set apart, but ye are justified, that means to be put on trial and found innocent, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So notice he says, you were that way, but now you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus. You're baptized how? In the name of the Lord Jesus, for the washing away of sins, for the remission of sins. And then he says, and by the Spirit of our God, the Holy Ghost, folks, the Holy Ghost. It's clearly in Scripture. Okay, if that's not good enough for you. Now let's go over. I mentioned it earlier. Let's find it now. Let's go to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 3 in verse 27. This is what Paul says. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Once again, into Christ. Jesus Christ. So once again, we see baptism in Jesus' name. Now, if that's not good enough for you, let's go over to the book of Colossians. Let's see, read Colossians chapter 2. We read it a minute ago, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, verse number 12. Uh, let's go back up to verse number 11. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him. Who? Who is buried? Jesus, in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. So once again, we see baptism in Jesus' name. If that's not good enough for you, let's read Colossians 3 and 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed. Baptism, by the way, includes both word and deed. You're speaking uh, the name of Jesus over baptism and the deed of being baptized. Watch this. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Watch this. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Okay? So if that's not good enough for you, let's go back to the book of Acts, chapter number 4. Let's go to Acts chapter number 4. Peter's in the middle of preaching, and I want, I want to show you something. Acts chapter number 4, in verse number 12. This is what he says in the middle of preaching uh, to the high council. He says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. What name is he talking about? Verse 10, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead, even by him did this man stand here before you whole. And in that context, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, I don't have time to go into it all, but we can read that Jesus said, in my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. You can read in the book of James, that is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, in the name of the Lord. Paul, when he cast out devils, he cast them out in Jesus' name. Peter, when he prayed for the lame man uh, at, at, at the gate called Beautiful, he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this is uh, Acts 3 and 6, uh, rise up and walk. So they performed miracles in Jesus' name. They prayed for the sick in Jesus' name. They cast out devils in Jesus' name. And they baptized in Jesus' name. Now, you say, what about Matthew 28, 19? Well, let's go back and, and read it again real quick. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Go ye therefore. Okay, back up to verse 18. Find out what Jesus is saying here. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus says, All power, all authority. He says, Go ye therefore. Go because I have all power, in other words. And teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the the world amen okay so John chapter 5 
the Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter number 5. And let's go here quickly. Uh, John chapter 5. And um, I want to read this here just a minute. Uh, Let's go to John chapter number 5. In verse 43, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. The name of Jesus means Jehovah, name of the Old Testament God, has become salvation. Read that in Isaiah 12 and 2. Uh, For the Lord, Jehovah, is my strength and song. Yahweh, in the Hebrew, he also has become my salvation. Yeshua. What's the name of Jesus? Yeshua, in the Hebrew. Uh, So, obviously... His name means Jehovah salvation. Jehovah has become salvation. He says, I am come in my Father's name. What's the name of the Father? Jehovah salvation. Now he's Jehovah salvation. Jesus is the revealed image of the Father. You can read that in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15. Colossians 1 and 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. You can read in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. You can read in John 1, 18, says uh, uh, he is in the bosom of the Father. He said he hath declared him, he hath made him known. In the bosom of means in closest relationship with, and he says he has made him known, he has declared him. That's why Jesus said in John 14, when Philip asked him, he said, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said, said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, Philip, and yet hast thou not known me? This is John 14 and 9. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Knowest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Then he also said in another place, uh, The works that I do, I do not of myself. The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. He is the visible image of the invisible God. God with us. God become flesh. When you baptize in the name of Jesus, you are baptizing in the name of the Father. Now, nobody would debate the fact that the name of the Son is Jesus. But then also, what about the Holy Ghost? Let's go over to the book of John, chapter number 14. John, chapter number 14. And uh, I'm going to read this, verse number 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. By the way, this is Jesus speaking. Whom the Father will send in my name. The Comforter, the Holy Ghost, would come in the name of Jesus. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Okay? Now, somebody might say, why is he speaking in third person if he's the Holy Ghost? Well, why did he speak about the Son of Man in the third person? That was clearly talking about Jesus. No, remember, he spoke, it's kind of like him speaking in parables. He spoke in parables so that those that were not hungry would be rooted out. They wouldn't seek the meaning of the parable. They would only be confused and they would give up on it. But the ones that were truly hungry would seek out the meaning and they would find out the meaning. It's kind of like treasure hid in a field, which a man buys the whole field for that treasure. Okay, so here Jesus spoke and it sounds like he's talking about somebody else. He's talking about himself, but he's he's, he's seeking to uh, to root out the, the people that are not hungry from the people that are hungry. Okay. And uh, you, you can read so many times about him rooting out the tares from the wheat, uh, about him uh, picking the the uh, the bad fish from the, the good fish when the net's cast out at the end of time. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to get into all that here today. But he said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So now we say the name of the Father, Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. So he, when he said, baptizing them in the name, singular, not names, name of the Father. Father's not a name. It's a title. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a husband. I'm a worker. But that's not my name. These simply describe uh, my relationships. But this is not my name. 
He's, he's Father in creation. He's Son in redemption. He's Holy Ghost in experience. And uh, baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. All right? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And uh, now I'm going to try to bring this thing to a close here today. But let's go back in closing to the book of John, chapter number 3. Now, for further study, this just merely brings you through uh, up until the New Testament plan of salvation. But for further study, I recommend that you go through our series that we did on uh, the book of Acts. Okay, so let's go to uh, John chapter number 3 and verse 5. We mentioned this in a previous lesson, but I'm going to come back to it. In this context, Jesus is talking to the ruler of the Jews, and he's telling them, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus asked him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He's trying to make it literal. But then Jesus says this, verse 5, this is spiritual, obviously. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, how are you baptized? You're baptized in water. The name uh, baptized, see, baptized in Acts 2.38 actually is from the Greek word baptizo, which means to be totally dipped, plunged under in water. Not sprinkled, but immersed under water. Nobody in your New Testament was ever sprinkled with water or just had water merely like touch their forehead or touch their hands or whatever. No, they were all baptized. They went all the way under the water. You can read in Acts chapter 8. The Ethiopian eunuch is baptized. He was coming up out of the water. You can read when Jesus was baptized by John as he was coming up out of the water. He saw the vision of the heavens being opened. So clearly they went all the way under the water and came out again. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The only way to be saved is baptism, is repentance for the remission of sin. Repentance, excuse me, a repentance Baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues. It happened in the book of Acts. It's still happening today. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. That experience is for you here today. So I urge you, if you've gone all the way through this series, I urge you here today to not delay. I'm going to say it like uh, Ananias said it to Paul. Why tarry you? Why do you tarry? Arise, be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Let God fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank you so much for listening. I now encourage you. I'm sure you have a lot of questions. I now encourage you, though, to go through uh, some of the other lessons on the podcast, in particular, the lessons on the book of Acts. Thank you so much for listening. God bless.